0: The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Sequel Quest, episode 110, a sequel chat movie review of Joker. warning sequel chat is a movie lovers podcast featuring discussions of the latest cinematic sequels in theaters now these weekend of release reviews are spoiler filled and highly flammable so please use caution when listening you have been warned well, folks, we just stepped out of the theaters from Zorro the Gay Blade <laughs> and saw a mess of Joker masks all over the streets causing mayhem. So join us as we walk down the path of the mental instability of one Arthur Fleck. Wait. Wait. Is that a reference to Ben Affleck?
1: <laughs> oh, okay. And did you know that Joaquin Phoenix is married to Ben Affleck's sister? What? Yes, he's part of the Affleck family. He Casey Affleck made that movie, I'm Still Here, which I saw in oh. the theaters. And their brother brother-in-laws, which is crazy. So they went from being brothers to brothers-in-law.
2: <laughs> brothers in spirit. Brothers, bro- of bro- brothers in terms of this movie's plot. Spoilers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Potentially? Yeah. So anyway, we saw Joker. Um, it it l- left me uh, kind of at a loss for words at some points, but let's jump in here. Let's keep it spoiler free at the top. But if you haven't seen this movie already... I, I I don't know what's stopping you. We're two weeks in. It's already over or close to $600 million at the box office. It had a bigger opening weekend than Justice League. And this is on pace to make a billion dollars. So wow. in the in the studio with me are Colton and Adam, our trusty sequel chatters, and wow. uh yeah, guys, wow,
1: this this movie. <laughs> which came out of nowhere, right? Because I, I feel like it was we we got all the everybody's all the hype. We're waiting for there's gonna be a new Harley Quinn movie, and everybody's excited about that, and Aquaman comes out and all this other stuff. And then it's like also a Joker movie, which, What? huh? you know, like nobody was expecting that at all. It's, it's Jared Leto. No, not Jared Leto. Joaquin Phoenix. Uh huh.
2: It's my understanding (laughs) that
1: Jared Leto was unhappy with this film.
0: Oh, of course. Well, because it's upstaging him
1: and his portrayal. And they're basically the same kind of actor, Joaquin Phoenix and Jared Leto. Like they, you know, they're they're in competition for the same roles, that's for sure. The the
0: method actor types.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. just the very strange choices and yeah, although I don't think Joaquin Phoenix is as deep, at least according to the interviews I've seen with him, into the method acting as Jared Leto. You know, he's not—he's not sending you know dead animals to his co-stars oh, yeah, and yeah. things like that.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think he's in deep, but definitely not that deep. Like you yeah. saw that outtake that they showed on Jimmy Kimmel, right? Right.
1: Yeah. He—he
2: he is the one of those actors who's like, "I have to find my place. You're interfering with the process. Shut up while I search." And Find my place. That that was a setup.
0: That wasn't Stop that wasn't a real there.
1: outtake. Yeah, unfortunately, just like everything Lockheed oh, Phoenix I, does. I'm,
2: <laughs> I'm using it colloquially, but the camera was rolling, and he it sounds like he didn't know it was rolling.
1: Oh no, it's it hard. was definitely a setup to stay with him. Yeah. <laughs> Because why would, why would Todd Phillips release that just to embarrass this man that he loves to collaborate with and,
2: and uh, all just, that. it it is another credit to his gift as an actor because he seemed genuinely embarrassed and like how did you get that I, I <laughs>
1: But when is he not awkward? Yeah. Matt, that Joaquin Phoenix. Like I, I've seen a lot of his films. Oh, I've wh- enjoyed wh- what them. you're saying makes like, sense
2: after his whole "I'm not there" thing that he was yes. doing for a while, where he really looked like he had genuinely gone crazy, and it all ended up being part of the act. Yeah, and I, and,
1: you know, and even like when he's in a role that's more, you know, traditional, like you know, Walk the Line and Gladiator. You know, like people probably know him more from those movies. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like of late, he's definitely selecting those roles that just let him kind of be creepy and awkward the whole time. Even The Village was probably the start of that, you know, where he was oh, just kind of the quiet. I, I, that owner. is such an
2: underrated movie. I think I love. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No. Did you say The Village? I'm yeah. so sorry. I did not mean The Village. I meant Signs. <laughs> oh, I meant Signs. Uh.
1: Not The Village. Oh, my gosh. Now, that's not get a podcast. Too far off topic, but, the, the, but the, I just the, watched the, A Quiet Place. Isn't A Quiet Place just a better version of Signs, would you guys say?
2: Hmm. I'd say it's a better version of The Village. Signs is already pretty good.
1: Okay. <laughs> all right, well, uh, on the Joker front, were you guys looking forward to this based on the trailers? Or they, they, <laughs> yeah, the hype surrounding it, what we were hearing out of the Venice Film Festival? Like, where were you guys falling on all the controversy?
2: I... First off, this project didn't sneak up on me. I remember hearing about it a couple years back that Todd Phillips had made a pitch... For a solo Joker film. And I was always so interested in that after I saw his film War Dogs. Hmm. Before that he was mostly known for like hard R comedic fare. And if you haven't seen War Dogs I highly recommend it. It's an incredibly uh, exhilarating true story. That's that That's the with harsh Jonah Hill subject- one? Yeah Jonah okay. Hill and Miles Teller play these guys who basically sell weapons on the black market during Iraq. During the Iraq war conflict. Anyways, uh, that showed his incredible chops as a director, that, yeah, he he's not 100% comedy. He's, he can go dark, and he can go dark effectively. So I've I'd I'd been super curious about his take on the Joker. Um, I find it very interesting that it was getting all these rave reviews in the festival circuit. Then, once American reviewers, by and large, began to get a peek at the film, then the narrative began to shift, claiming that this is the Citizen Kane for incels and stuff like that. It had a really good rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and then all of a sudden, once certain politically motivated critics got involved, yeah. that, that percentage seemed to go down. And I kind of understand where they're coming from, but I don't think this is a film that you know celebrates the Joker. It, it's, a, it's a sad film. It, it, right. I think the film, the way it is shot, makes it very clear that this is not some Alex DeLarge character that we're supposed to admire, even though he's a terrible person. I think the film makes it very clear. No, this is not something that's being glorified. This is something you don't want to be.
0: Yeah. This mm-hmm. movie, it makes you feel terrible at times. And, and it just, it, it doesn't glorify it. It glorifies yeah. it a little bit so that you're, you're cringy. You're not okay with it. And, and that's okay. It's, it's kind of like riding a roller coaster. Like you get and, that crazy and there are feeling are that
2: are, yeah, there are moments that are genuinely darkly funny. Like, Jeremy, did you laugh out loud? I laughed out loud, and I felt bad for laughing out loud.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, there were around? points where I definitely laughed out loud. Uh, yes. And it was almost more at the reaction of the guy I was with. I took a buddy to see this, and we were just braving the, the late night, shifty eyes, exit rows and whatnot. But just I picked up on some of the stuff that was going on in the movie much quicker than he did. And we do definitely delve into the unreliable narrator that is Arthur Fleck. And some of those twists and turns took my buddy by storm so much that I laughed out loud at his reaction. And even at points in the movie, I definitely laughed out loud, but it does leave you with that cringy, ooh, I, I, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but it's it's meant to be somewhat funny. Well,
1: I mean, the, my audience certainly thought so because I, I have a feeling most of them saw Joker, oh, a Batman spin-off movie. I'm gonna come see this. They were not <laughs> paying attention. There weren't as many kids in the audience oh, this good. Time, luckily. <laughs> yeah but uh, but it's one of those situations where like everybody was, when Joaquin Phoenix started his laughter for the first time, people were laughing with him like they thought it was funny. And then, like, as it went on, like, people were, like, desperate for laughs. And I think, Colton, there were basically, like, two big moments that I think were... Literally, meant for comedy. You know, the first is in the hospital, right? <laughs> is when he's doing his dance for the kids and the gun slides out, you know, <laughs> out to the floor and he just puts his finger up. My whole or <laughs> lost it. Yeah. yeah. And it cuts so quickly from that. That's what's so funny because then it goes back to darkness and trouble and everything for Arthur. But that moment, you get to laugh and let it go for a second. And then the second was... When he walks into the hospital and hits (laughs) hits the sliding door because it's an exit, not an entrance, and the cops are just like, "That's the exit," (laughs) you know. And he waits for somebody else to come out so he can go in. You know, it's just like there were those brief moments, but then everything else is like, "Oh dear, okay, this is this is no laughing matter." What we're dealing with in this. uh, in this subject matter. But go back to your comment, uh, like you said, Colton, the, the whole drama about incels. This is like a buzzword I've been hearing, but did not 100% understand. I'm like, I'm assuming it has something to do with Reddit because everything evil seems to come from Reddit. Or 4chan the eyes of the or world. 8chan. Yeah. yeah. And so and then I finally looked up an actual definition of incel and I'm like, this movie has nothing to do with that. Like this movie is not, this is not about... A guy looking for a relationship, looking for acceptance from women. A, ma- a man frustrated by the opposite sex. Like it's nothing like that at all. Like he's he is a mentally ill person who is dealing with some issues, and the world keeps putting him down, putting him down, putting him down. But it's not centered in one specific area. It's literally everybody. Right. It's society down.
0: as a whole is yeah, what yeah. he's contending against, and and mm-hmm. yeah. The, oh man so much of the the negative hype on this movie and granted even now two weeks in the the media reports on this are to the point to where they're almost willing a a shooting a to happen act. yeah like mm-hmm. they're like yeah well we're two weeks and there hasn't yet been any incident and it and it's just like the the wording you're using is just begging for someone you're looking
1: for news
0: yeah, if what it, you have to realize is that there's, leads, no, right, there's no right. I know.
1: There's not a a purpose in what Arthur Fleck is doing until maybe the very end. Like things are happening around him. He takes some actions, but it's not a master plan. He's not a clever, you know, a clever mastermind of something. You know, that that is not this character at all. It's just Of all the pieces we see, it starts coming together and building and building in the eyes of other people who are then choosing to take action. So if you were going to look at Arthur Fleck and say, oh, yeah, well, they're they're presenting you a character who wants to create this chaos and these riots and this violence. It's like, no, he's just trying to live his life. And he just happens to get caught up in it all of what people were waiting for an excuse to do. Oh, this guy's actions gave me an excuse to do more. That's how I saw it in the film.
0: Yeah. So he's very reactionary throughout most of the movie. He's not conniving. He's not Mm -hmm. a mastermind at all. But at at the same point, does this movie only exist in his mind? Like the only true scene I'm guessing is probably the one at the end where he's sitting there. We're going full spoilers here now.
2: If you've (laughs) not
0: seen it already, pause, go see it there is a theory out there that this whole movie is just in his head and that he's sitting there with the
2: psychiatrist whom he kills. And, and well, what a nice reveal without actually saying it. You right. Just see him the walk bloody out footsteps. The, what a time of
0: getting chased <laughs> and then getting chased <laughs> then getting chase Scooby-Doo style up and down the hallways. Um, but it it's the joke that's in his mind that she would not get is his origin story. Um, I mean, throughout the whole movie, we're finding out points where he is totally unreliable. He meets he meets the girl with her daughter in the elevator. Um, I'm guessing the 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 fingers to the head was actually something that happened. And then he extrapolated that in
1: his mind. To where after he makes his first kill that he breaks into her apartment and she embraces him and they're kissing and you assume they now have a relationship. Yeah,
2: I'm sorry. I never truly bought that. I I, uh, I didn't either. As soon as I saw him bust into her apartment to get a kiss, I knew he was hallucinating. I, I just I knew he was imagining the whole thing. And sure enough, when that scene comes up where much later in the film, he's in there. And she's looking at him like she's talking to him for the first time and freaking out. I was like, yep, I knew it. Yep. Yeah.
1: Well, to your point, Jeremy, what I'm hearing from reviewers is like the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is still great. The reviewer's score, like you said, is, is going down. And the complaint everybody seems to have is, well, you know, it's a bunch of nothing. It's a great performance by Joaquin Phoenix, but, you know, nothing really matters. There's not a specific narrative that we're really following. It's just kind of series of vignettes that comes together. And I think some people are saying like, well, if it doesn't have a point, if they didn't Really mean to tell us anything, then it's not a good movie. That this is not a film if you just. (sighs) And that's hypocritical
2: because this same critic community was gushing all over themselves for No Country for Old Men. And Mm. that movie's even more nihilistic than this one. Right. Like uh, that film, when it ended, I was like, that's it? Like the the ending just quietly sneaks up on you. Mm. And it, it doesn't feel like the movie's over, but it's over. You know? it's design is way more uh, piecemeal than this film.
1: And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the comic book origins that again, people go in with a certain expectation. Even if you tell them ahead of time, this is outside of a comic book continuity. It is based loosely on a character that has appeared in comics, but ultimately as is often pointed to as well, and is very apparent This is a Martin Scorsese homage more than a comic book. It's my understanding that at some
2: point he was going to be deeply involved as a producer, but then he just kind of stepped back.
1: Yeah, but just as well. I mean, it seems like I I mean, I I
2: didn't. I, (laughs) I should have looked. But, Jeremy, did you see Martin Scorsese's name buried in anywhere in executive producer credits?
1: Well, I mean,
0: having Scorsese attached to this, even as a producer, gave this movie
2: some gravitas so so that so you confirm that is what happened
0: uh, yes he is okay. attached at, or he got to oversee it some and so, a yeah. lot of the homage that super- they're giving is through Taxi Driver and King of Comedy.
1: Right. Because I, because of that, because I was hearing, like, oh, this is like Taxi Driver. I've never seen Taxi Driver. I and have,
2: and yeah. I can
1: see superficial similarities. No. But it's not there. I mean, it's streaming yeah. on Netflix, so I just watched it. And I'm like, Travis Bickle is a total 180. You know, aside from possible delusions, but his delusions are, uh, you know, as Han Solo said, delusions of grandeur, right? He's imagining himself as this important person who keeps inserting himself into other people's lives, and he, you know, definitely is trying to to matter and all those things. But Arthur is is again like not not as focused, I guess you could say, as uh, as Travis Bickle. Although I have to say his awesome gun launcher that goes on his arm was a pretty cool tool. And I've seen it in so many other movies and I didn't realize that that probably had its origins in taxi driver. So if nothing else, a cool little, little piece of, uh, yeah, of hardware uh there.
2: Bruce Campbell and evil dead directly homages that when he puts the, uh, when he puts the chainsaw grafted onto his arm.
1: So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, even like in the movie Stay Tuned, when the, the remote control comes and flips up out of his, out of his sleeve and stuff, too.
0: <laughs> so in doing so, they also kind of set it in the same world-ish, had a very same feel early, early 80s. I, I think they put it as 1981 because that's when yes. Zoro the Gay Blade came out.
1: Speaking of which, that was my like fist pump moment. Cause I don't know how many people have seen Zorro the Game Blade. I've owned it for years on DVD and oh, VHS. No. I just love that movie, George Hamilton. It's not as homophobic as it sounds. Um, but at the time that is the, the basic premise that Zorro gets injured. So his effete uh, brother has to take over and wears very flamboyant costumes and uh. <laughs> everything else as he's fighting evil. Uh, but it's, it's a very Silly, silly movie. But that popped up on the marquee during the riot. I'm like, what? You know, because they're paying homage to Batman's origins having seen Zorro the night his parents were murdered, thus leading to his idea of being a masked vigilante. Uh, So, you know, hardwired into him at that point. But to tweak it that way, to add the little bit of humor was great.
0: (laughs) Well, now, this movie was such a risk for Warner Brothers. Um, It was coming off of the... the flop that was Justice League. Um, There was a lot of uncertainty, but Todd Phillips did come in and wowed the board with his pitch so much so that they were like, yeah, it's greenlit. But in the back room, they're like, okay, we need to go find some co-producers on this. Um, So they reached out to Braun and Village Roadshow and split production costs on this $65 million movie. And Mm. so now they're having to split the profits on that three and a, and ways. And I'm willing to
1: bet they're regretting that at this point. Uh-huh. Moment. I mean, to me, it's one of the, it, it is a, you know, just like it won, you know, this grand award at the Venice Film Festival, it is a film. You know, this is not a movie. This right. is not a popcorn movie. I mean, this is this is a film that, just from the perspective of, is Todd Phillips a filmmaker? He is. He had a great DP, I'm assuming, you know, because it, it looks visual it's just a stunning film to watch it's, a, it's another one of those like i i'm definitely right now in that mode where if i could watch a movie on mute and still be entertained and just engrossed in it the whole time same with like blade runner 2049 things like that out of late where it's just like wow like i i really applaud them in that way that it could have been very chintzy you know and very uh, thin looking and it, it's got depth it's got color it's got however murky it is but it's just a beautiful film to watch
0: yeah it's and definitely I, beautiful and viscerally shot a lot of it
2: mm-hmm. and i love how much it captures that grit of the early 80s that time when we're still recovering from the crappy economy of the late 70s and uh, did you guys smile at all when they replaced the opening warner brothers logo with oh it's awesome old, <laughs> the old saul bass logo yeah yeah 70s? <laughs> That was a really nice touch. I love that.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of old VHS tapes with that version of the Warner Brothers logo on it. So that was very, very exciting. And actually, somebody in my audience noticed it, too. They're like, whoa, yeah.
0: Well, and that's something that Warner Brothers has always been kind of cognizant about is transforming their logo to fit whatever the movie is. All of the Harry Potter movies they had a different version of the logo and it transformed darker and darker as the films got darker. I, They've always been one to kind of play with their own branding, even from the, the get go.
2: When they have a new line cinema film, they make sure the WB logo turns into the new line cinema logo. Right. So keep corporate brand awareness alive. <laughs>
1: yeah. So now, obviously, you know, Batman has been a huge franchise for Warner brothers all these years. And we've got the Batman, and coming out soon. Just found out, you know, we got a new Catwoman yeah. officially announced and all of that. With Aquaman's
2: so. stepdaughter is going to be Catwoman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's connected in Hollywood. What's going yep. on out there? Zoe Kravitz, we're excited. But so my question to you guys is what is your thought, like the way that they injected Batman into the story? Because I really thought this was going to be Batman free and not really any relation to the dc universe i seriously thought it was just going to be you know a guy in makeup calling himself joker and there was some sort of riot going on but that was it i I didn't think it was going to actually have the waynes so what was your thought about including the whole thomas wayne political situation and bruce and alfred (laughs) well
0: and the potential that his mother slept with thomas wayne and he's the illegitimate offspring of the Waynes. Um, that was an interesting play with the mythos. Um, mm-hmm. and, and having Arthur tell us the story, we, we, we kind of get a hint as to what his true origin is. But at the same time, we we don't know if that's true or not.
1: Are you saying Bruce's origin or Arthur's? Arthur's. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: And that moment when he's reaching through the fence, I was like, are they going to have him kill young Bruce? Like, are they going to mess with the mythos that much? Because they've taken so many risks already. And
1: I was that Bruce is already messed up if he's letting a stranger stick fingers in his mouth. I mean, I'm just like, why kid back away? Like he's not that mesmerizing. (laughs) Alfred was quick to the quick to the
0: no, get away. Get away, random guy.
1: But he wasn't, like, you know, we're, we're used to these days, I feel like, the, the Alfred that can kick butt or has, like, this military background. And this guy was definitely more of just kind of a, a prim and proper Alfred. Because when he's yep. getting choked, I thought he was going to, like, break his wrist or something. And he's just like, oh, stop it. No. Ah. You know, and I was just like, come on, Alfred. You got more than this. Not in this continuity.
2: And uh did I miss it? Did I actually hear somebody refer to him as Alfred? No. no. I don't think. He's not mentioned, but
0: he is credited as Alfred in
2: the credits. That's good good enough. I just remember in the film just saying, I was waiting for somebody to refer to him by his name, and I just didn't hear it, so I wondered. But obviously it made sense for it to be Alfred.
0: Yeah, the little British accent kind of gave it away.
1: (laughs) Now, if this was a different movie, I would also like to mention that this would make for great action figures because there are so many different versions of Arthur's Joker. Right. And I, I, I was curious for you guys, what was your most uh, iconic version? Cause you know, you, he starts out like as the clown, you know, so he's got like the clown look, but then he kind of, he is always like evolving slightly like it's changing you know to the point where okay now you know on the subway they take off his wig while they're ta- taunting him and you know now he's just kind of got his regular hair but he's got the the clown makeup on and then later on he's got the full white face when he goes to see Bruce he's got just the red nose tell when he goes on Murray's show and he's got the full you know, completely green planned hair. and thought out. Yeah, green hair Joker outfit, you know. Uh, did you guys have one that stood out for you as either creepier or just cooler? Yeah, you already nailed my choices. All of the above? <laughs> what I'm saying, but which of those? Is there one that you feel like is going to uh, to resonate more? Visually, when it comes to
2: his look, I think the thing that haunts me the most is at the end of the film, at the end of the riot... You know how the Joker always has traditionally ruby red lips? Mm-hmm. He has that, but it comes from his own blood. Yeah. <laughs> that was Yeah. Pretty um
0: awesome.
1: the, that was very cool.
0: The other thing on that is when he so so he kills the guy who gives him the gun in his apartment and lets the little person go because he'd always been nice to.
2: Him. One of the darkest laughs I've ever had in my entire life, by the
0: way. Right. And as the and little he forgot person is that struggling the door to was escape, locked. Yeah. I forgot the door was locked. The lock is way too high. And he's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Gets up,
2: lets him out. And I really thought he was going to kill him, that it was all part of a sick joke to torment him before he killed him. No. So I was actually a little surprised when you let him out.
0: But from that.
2: Remember, he's the Joker. The Joker doesn't have empathy, you know? Yeah,
0: I know. But at the same time, I, when he first came out of his apartment all super made up, uh, we were wondering if the red makeup. Was the other guy's blood.
1: Because mm. oh, he does I mean, get it all over I, his
0: face, and then he's got to reapply but, everything, but.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's similar in color. I'm sure it was I'm sure it was makeup. I mean, at, at that yeah. point, if they were going to do that, they would have shown it like they did at that last moment of the riot, you know?
2: Yeah. I feel oh, like I, they,
1: they would this, have acted. You know, also, le- when,
2: when he leaves the apartment, this is a good time to remember one of the... Because, Jeremy, you said the critics or people who dislike this film in the media are just going out of their way to reach and harangue <sighs> and tear down this film any chance they get. Yeah. One of the things they pointed out was when he leaves his apartment rock and roll part two by Gary glitter starts playing. Yes. And a lot of people have moral quandaries about whether or not that song should have been included because by including that song, uh, Gary glitter collects royalty money. And, uh, Gary glitter is a sex offender, right? a 75 year old man. Who's kind of, you know, I I just, it's an example of how hard the media is reaching to tear at this film that including like, what was it? 90 seconds worth of music.
1: I don't know. But, uh,
2: actually i yeah. never knew that fact about Gary glitter before this movie came no, out, right I
1: did I did so when that when that came up I was like ooh well that's controversial but I don't but again I don't know how many people really do because that's a very classic rock song right and it, I don't know how many people realize in the last 15 20 years that Gary glitter in in the UK more so became a very controversial figure because of his actions so
0: but that's the thing like this is a character study it's a film you don't have to pick and pull at every little thread that's here to say oh this it shouldn't have been included because it doesn't fit our new criteria that changes daily like it's it's honestly just let it be a film a character study on an on a mentally ill guy torn down by society It doesn't have to be encouragement for people out there to do anything. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have have to to be. it. It doesn't have to egg people on. Just let it be. A visceral character study on what not to do. Because yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't even people... like his his first his first kill that made him all psycho. It was honestly, if you want to go back to it, he was cut off from his medication. That's what began the spiral.
1: Well, and if you look at a film like V for Vendetta, for example which had a very revolutionary bent right. to it like it was trying to tell you something it's trying to tell you bush the bush administration is evil and we need to fight against it and all these things like that was uh something that you know people rallied against and some people took the iconography of the guy fox mask and everything else from b uh, for their own agendas and and yet you know i feel like that movie didn't uh, didn't receive as much of this. And I, I think what this movie has behind it, even to the point of, you know, the the concern over violence and everything else that's in it, is that in most movies that are violent or whatever else, like if you look at the 80s or an action film, you know, like they're buff guys out there. They're larger than life. They're killing people. They're stopping the bad guys. And you're kind of okay with that. In this case, it's no, it's a small frail, mentally ill person who could be your next door neighbor, who could be the guy on the subway or the bus next right. to you that could incite this. And that's what I think is scaring people. And I think that's why people are, you know, are attaching themselves to that idea and saying it's dangerous or whatever else. But it's, it's, it's in the same vein as so many other films when it was, you know, uh, a film like, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this before, but when you, when you get to a film like, uh, Well, I guess even at the time it was controversial, uh, but Death Wish, you know, it's like, well, he's an old man out killing people, but he could be the old man next door. So so should you be concerned about that as well? You know, kind of in the same vein. So um, I think ultimately what this piece has to stand by, you know, is is it a good film and what makes a good film, which, again, is a very <laughs> open-ended broad topic. But I mean, if it makes people talk this much, if it leads this much discussion, if it has the kind of blank nature of this is what we're presenting to you and even you know Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix telling us nothing. They're like we're not going to deprive you of your discussion and your enjoyment of the film after the fact. I think that makes it a piece of art that is worth being celebrated well said
0: yeah i man this it it left me speechless i wasn't sure exactly how to how to take it um i sat through the credits half-heartedly hoping something would be there but knowing there wasn't going to be Mm. but just taking in everything that had just happened um did you guys notice that the majority of the clown masks that people were wearing were of the same style. Mm -hmm. And and supposedly that was in his room when he was a child. was that same type of clown mask.
1: Interesting. I did not see that.
2: The theory that it was his
1: imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys think it was interesting too? Just the idea again of kind of in this case, rising up against the 1%, you know, you got the, the rich, uh, politician now calling everybody clowns so now you know the the downtrodden of Gotham are revolting against him and you know uh, they're protesting everything he has said we're all clowns so they it activates them unites them together but did you think it's interesting the parallels to Dark Knight Rises? That oh, we yes. had almost that same, you know, and, and, and Christopher Nolan said at the time it was unintentional. It wasn't Occupy Wall Street. It wasn't any of that. But it's, <laughs> it's interesting that theme has come back all these years later, not to get too political. But I just thought it was interesting to have that and then have it again. I was like, oh, which who did it better? You know, it's kind of the question. Which which riot uh, worried you more? Was it the Joker's riot or was it the, you know, the Bane riot that he got going?
0: Uh It got me more worried this one because it was more realistic. You're not going to have some military dudes swinging in and basically take the city hostage by a nuke type thing. That's Um, a good point. And just this movie dives into how kind of how the media creates its own villains Mm -hmm. in how Murray doing the whole late night shtick finds a clip on the internet or somebody recorded it and it found its way to Murray's desk. They play it on TV and you can see in the first instant when Arthur realizes that it's him on the TV, he's psyched, like blown away. And then he gets to the Murray making fun of him. Yeah. He realizes that he is the punchline. It's not his jokes. And, And basically that Murray created his own demise in doing so. And then they reach out to him to bring him onto the show, which leads to the end of the
1: film here. Yeah, I have to say the Mark Barrow, Mark Barrow, Mark uh, Maron, sorry, Mark Barrow's is a wrestler. Um, <laughs> Mark Maron, his cameo, that totally threw me, though. It's like, don't throw Mark Marin in here. We love him too much. I mean, it was, it was just random to have him. I was like, huh? Okay, bye. But you took me out of the movie for a second in an iconic scene, you know, now. Well, I
0: mean, speaking of Marin, I mean, they this movie had a lot of talent in it. Um, there was even comedian Brian Callen was one of the clowns. Uh, I know him
1: from Mad TV. Mad <laughs> TV.
0: First season, yeah. Uh, he's all over the place. Solid comedian. But also De Niro, of course.
1: Yeah. Who was great? I mean, that final monologue the back and forth that they're having, whether it's real or not, like just the way that tension builds, you know, and how it starts off. He thinks he's got this goofball to be on his show, and then it just takes that turn more and more uncomfortable to where they're like telling him to stop it. Murray's like, no, let's do this. Let's, you know, he's like, he's getting into it with him and challenging him. And I mean, that's obviously where you see the, you know, Arthur at his most confident, right? That's where he seems to have finally, I accepted, you know, sub role of responsibility in all of this and he's like I'm going to say my piece and the fact that they set you up so long before thinking he's going to take his own life yeah. during that scene and then it's just a total, you know, flip of that and he's going to take out Murray instead. I was like, "Whoa." Uh but- the one thing that did concern me, though, I was looking at IMDb and I was just looking at the, you know, when people put quotes in so yes. people can type in their favorite quote. And over and over again, it's that line. You get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. So that did concern me a little bit. <laughs> if people are if there's any actionable moment in the film, it's definitely that uh, that I that I would have some hesitation with. But um, well, so let's... it was still a very dramatic moment.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, we we see Arthur get super confident after each of his dastardly deeds. Um, but I... Doing I his s- dance. Well, yeah, doing the dance, um, the Tai Chi, whatever you want to call it. But he, uh, it's so unreliable throughout the whole movie. Like, did he actually do these things? And that's calmed him. So his laugh is reactionary. Um,
1: mm-hmm. It
0: is a a mental condition to where your emotions are hardwired incorrectly to the, the brain recognition of what you should be feeling in the moment. And so the laugh is very reactionary. It, he gets stressed and he just starts laughing. He gets emotional. He starts laughing. Um, and, and so it there are moments where you kind of feel like the the narration of the scene has changed. Um, When he's in the clown uh, ready room or whatever, the locker room, and then the boss calls him in. And so everybody's in there laughing, making jokes, cracking jokes, whatever. Arthur starts laughing, walks down the hallway, and about halfway down the hallway, he turns the corner, and then the sound kind of muddles out, and he instantly stops laughing and gets all yes. serious faced goes in mm-hmm. and the boss berates him there so i i don't know if even like the the whole murray show stuff was even uh, real i i don't know there's a lot that would need a second well, I, I don't, viewing
1: not I don't think anybody will ever be able to determine, I don't think it's ever going to come out this was real, this was imagined this was real, this was imagined like that's the eternal debate of this film right? The the more you try to look into it then somebody comes up to you and says oh but this see but what about this because now you're talking about you know so I feel like that's that's the nature of the excitement that you can have in seeing this film is trying to dissect it but knowing you'll never get a definitive answer um (laughs) you know something like that. yeah it's something i'd have to go back and see again
0: to to dissect so well let's let's kind of wrap up our thoughts here because we could go on for hours just dissecting each of the different themes and whatnot in this um adam what what are your final thoughts on this
1: well, like I said, I mean, I heard all the hype. I heard all the controversy, all of those things going in. So I maybe had an expectation of, oh, this is going to disturb me, whatever it's going to be. And ultimately, I walked away from the film. Number one, we haven't given him a whole lot of lip service, but and it's it's beyond that. But Joaquin Phoenix in this film is amazing. If Heath Ledger won an Academy Award for his performance, this is miles beyond that i mean heath ledger do not get me wrong amazing in that film just an iconic screen performance but what joaquin phoenix is doing here is has so many more layers than what heath ledger gave us i feel like heath ledger was playing against type and that's what got him the academy award joaquin phoenix is in his zone and he's firing on all cylinders so To me, yes, there's not a super strong story because it 100% is an unreliable narrator and it's a story of mental illness and what you trust, what you don't trust. But I really enjoyed this experience watching this film and, and getting into is it real, is it not real is not even a concern for me. It's how was it presented. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully acted. There are visceral moments that get a reaction out of you, for better or for worse, depending on how you want to feel. And so I feel like the Joker really is, you know, of this year. I mean, it feels like an A-plus movie to me. And if if they say that this is going to lead to a bunch of other independent DC Universe films, bring them on because it's, not, it's R-rated, but it's not Deadpool, right? I mean, this right. is a very different direction you're going to take it, but it's very adult, and it makes you think, and I, I appreciated it very much.
0: All right, Colton, where do you sit with this movie? Any final thoughts? Uh,
2: I want to give it an 8 out of 10, and I just want to caution people that this is not a feel-good movie. <laughs> a lot of people go to these comic book films thinking, oh, it's going to be a comic book movie. I'm going to enjoy my popcorn and all that. Uh, no, this is this movie's a thinker. Um, it It is not a feel-good movie. If you're looking to take chances and have unusual experiences that will make you just feel things, then by all means. But yeah, I would advise you to just, this is not a feel-good movie, but it's a think, a deep think movie. Don't mean to go in circles, but then again, the film kind of goes <laughs> its own interesting circles in and of itself. And I, I also appreciate how seriously it takes mental illness, you know? When he hands out that card explaining to people, I've seen that before. When I when I was serving my mission, I've seen that before. And it's just those little details this film gets right as it pays respect to the difficulties of mental illness and the difficulties of our social programs
1: as they grapple with mental illness. Mm-hmm. And like he says, the funny thing about mental illness is people expect you to act like you don't have it, uh-huh. right? That's so such,
2: that's one of the deep thought lines that brings yeah. you this movie.
1: Jeremy, how about you?
2: Oh wow!
0: As, as a movie, I'm I'm sitting like nine nine and a half on this, just because mm-hmm. it it's a very all around film, as we've discussed. It, it's not a movie. I I understand where Scorsese's coming from with his thoughts on the Marvel movies that they're more of a, a roller coaster theme park than cinema, but even cinema, they are cinematic. So this is a movie all its own. I I can't compare it to anything. It it draws homages from all across the spectrum. Even the source material, it picks and chooses to create its own thing. And and it does it well. It's beautifully shot. The soundtrack I I enjoyed I know of a couple others that didn't enjoy it because it detracted from the movie, but that's that's very subjective. So I I definitely feel this is one of the better movies of our time, uh, especially in the comic book genre, and will likely walk away with some pretty good hardware in the upcoming Oscars. I so, hope so I I agree. So
2: we will round this out. Joaquin's a shoe in for Best Actor, bare minimum yeah. a nomination. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I don't use the word snub easily. If he doesn't get nominated, it will be a snub.
1: Absolutely. And I have a question for you guys as we close out here, because the trailer that played before this was, you know, the uh, Birds of Prey trailer. Yeah. Uh, After having seen this movie now, how did you feel about what they were presenting in the Birds of Prey trailer?
0: You know, I I think we're going to have to wait for a second trailer on that because they they were basically going Harley-heavy to introduce us to, or at least entice people in, um, Mm -hmm. and then they're going to show us more of the rest of the Birds of Prey. Um, Ewan McGregor has a kind of Joker feel to him but he is going to be playing Black Mask so this could be somewhat of a a Harley Joker relationship without the Joker kind of like a rebound relationship type thing and her dealing with trying to get free of all of that
2: I I didn't pick up on that but Ewan McGregor's basically playing a pre Black Mask uh, Roman Cyanus. I, I believe so, but he
0: is also. They have said that his character will be openly gay and that didn't come out too flamboyantly over the top in the trailer. So we Uh, will definitely have to see. You asked for my reaction.
2: Yeah. You asked for my reaction. And so far, all I can say is um, a lot of people have been like, DC should be more like Marvel. No, I think they should do their own thing. Mm -hmm. And they tried the whole connected universe thing and it just wasn't as profitable as they would have liked. So they're going to basically be doing a scattershot thing from now on. I'm heard, I'm told that they're kind of rebranding and calling it the Worlds of DC mm-hmm. where they'll keep the continuity if they feel like it, but it'll be in passing. Well, and, and they'll and, do and they'll do one-offs when they feel like it. The new upcoming Batman movie, that's going to have nothing to do with prior films.
0: Right. And it's supposed to be its own trilogy. It's not even supposed to connect to this Joker, even yeah. Wonder Woman. It's another story from later on in time that is not connected. That's how they have Steve Trevor back.
1: And I'll just say like based on, What they're presenting to us, yeah, it sounds like they'll just kind of give you your one-off shots. And I've always enjoyed, like, a good Elseworlds tale because it's Mm -hmm. a one-off story or whatever, an annual, where they have these self-contained stories from DC. And that's how I read DC comics. I do not get into their continuity-heavy books. But I will say that it looked like with the Birds of Prey, they were going for, like, the verite style that Joker has like it's, but it's not as you know, I don't know how to say it. I, I guess not as neon and shiny as Suicide Squad was, for example. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it it seems to have a little bit more of a, a an adventurous, goofy edge than a serious edge. And I guess with Harley, that's to be expected. So I'll be very curious, like you say, Jeremy, when we, when we get a second trailer, how they you know, sell it to us the second time around? Because I felt like with say with suicide squad originally they sold it to us as a very serious somber film and then they gave us like the super action neon fun remember they recut the trailer well they recut the even, whole movie with a trailer yeah the, the, yeah. the trailer company recut the yeah. whole movie yeah <laughs> so so I'm, I'm very curious to see if they stick with what they started with or if it goes a new direction so but so far so good i say dc if this is where you're going keep it going
0: well that opens up one final question here because I know we all got to run, but is there a Rogues Gallery villain that you would love to see brought out in another solo Elseworlds film?
1: Oh, absolutely! I've got one already. Um, there was an Hopefully Alan not Moore Calendar st- man. It is not Calendar. <laughs> man. It's not like Patchwork Clockwork guy or whatever <laughs> his name is. Um, no, no, uh, a the, Clock it, king. Yeah, clock. <laughs> no, But there was a story, that, again, a one off story that Alan Moore did about Clayface, not the Clayface everybody knows who can change his whole body and morph. There was Clayface, too, in the comics, who was just kind of Ooh. like his head had been damaged. And anyway, and he was mentally ill and had holed up in a department store and had this whole relationship with the mannequin, and all these like it was—it's was just like this whole thing going on in his mind, and it could be very similar to this. But but you know, like there's you know, it, it was just a very fascinating story. So uh, I feel like if we could get that again, unexpected, the story of Clayface. What is it all about? You know, and, and right. just like throw it out there, it would be very exciting to see. So that that would be my vote, Clayface two. Clayface <laughs> two. Uh-
2: I would love to see some intergalactic adventures with Lobo.
0: Ah, Mm. there was a TV show announced, but sci-fi canned Uh that as well as Krypton. So he showed up on Krypton, right? That's where
1: he debuted. Yeah. The
0: second season. Um, I mean, you could definitely take a, a Joker vibe and do penguin, but do it more in, uh, almost Godfather mob. Type style
2: one thing i want to see and, is,
0: and,
2: and i got this from the batman arkham city game uh young bruce and young oswald cobblepot went to private school together they were friends as children yes. and now their alter egos are enemies as adults i would love to see that developed and written out on screen
1: hmm. i don't know why everybody was thinking jonah hill though that's what everybody said do jonah hill in a solo penguin uh... movie it's like he's not fat Before he (laughs)
2: passed away, uh, I was on board for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, Exactly. He would have been fantastic. Well, but that's the thing. We
0: don't have to have a fat penguin anymore. I mean, if Gotham has shown us anything, (laughs) as long as you you give him some characteristics, have some character development, it doesn't matter what he looks like. Um, the, The Jonah Hill casting for The Batman is... There were a lot of rumors of Penguin possibly the Riddler. So, I mean, shoot, make him calendar man or something of that (laughs) nature that'd be off the wall casting, but could have lasting effects.
2: 30 days
1: hath September, April, June and November. (laughs) Cast Colton. There's (laughs) his audition right there.
0: (laughs) All righty, folks, we will sign off for now. But is it just me or is it getting crazier
1: out there? Very nice.
0: (laughs) We thank you for listening to this episode of Sequel Quest. and invite you to continue the fake movie fun on social media. Submit your ideas for future episodes to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com
1: or SQPod on Twitter. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended.